Well, if you have your Bible with you this evening, please turn with me once again to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. This evening, we are going to be considering verses 7 through 15. 7 through 15. Join me once again in prayer as we ask the Lord's blessing upon his word. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, Lord, we pray now that your spirit would work the truth and light of your word into our hearts and minds now. We pray as we hear the details and the words from your word that you have for us here tonight, that they would ring out and resound in us that they would bring much comfort and joy, that they would give us much zeal and obedience as we seek to be faithful in following Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, Psalm 18, beginning in verse 7. Hear now the holy, inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God written for you and for me today. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken, because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind." He made darkness his secret place, his canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of it to us. Well, people of God, as it was good and right for David to love and praise the Lord his God for his delivering him from the hand of Saul and his enemies, it is good and right for us to praise him for our great deliverance in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. As David considered all that God had done, he was mindful of Yahweh being his rock. He was thankful and praised his God for being the the cliffs and the crags that, that he could hide in for refuge. David was thankful for the Lord being his strength and his fortress, that place of safety under the shadow of his wings, behind the thick walls of, of God's divine protection, where David could be 
fear-free and at peace with his providence. We wonderfully know that that rock was Christ. He is our fortress. He has delivered us from our enemies. He is the horn of our salvation. Indeed, Jesus is the worthy one. He is the one who is worthy of all adoration and praise. He is the one who is all and and has done all to give us great assurance that we will be saved from Him by Him. And therefore, like David, though we become familiar with the pangs of death, though the floods of ungodliness arise around us to the point of tempting us to fear, though sorrows and snares abound, we must never forget the strong fortress in which we stand. We must never forget the sure foundation on whom we walk. And therefore, with Christ in and for us, we can be fear-free today. And so David praised the worthy one who heard him from his temple. He praised the God whose will was to hear and act upon David's plea. We praise the God who hears and acts on our pleas from his throne in his heavenly temple as well. And so as David continues to sing of his deliverance, he considers God's mighty acts. Let's look at these tonight through David's vivid description of divine anger and the earth shaking in verses 7 and 8. When God bows the heavens in verses 9 through 12, and divine thunder from heaven in verses 13 through 15. Look at this description and where David begins in verse 7. He says, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken. And why? Because he was angry. Now, beloved, when mighty men display their wrath, their power and anger, it's often seen in acts and outcomes of punishment, battle, and conquest, with people and property being the main things that are affected. But see here that when God is angry, when his wrath is revealed as he shows himself to be the divine warrior, creation convulses. Creation convulses. And why was this happening? It flows from verse 6, where David says, My cry came before him, even to his ears. The the Lord heard the plea and the plight of his servant. And the Lord came to his aid to defend his cause. As the Lord acts for the cause of his people, beloved, his judgments shake the foundations. Indeed, Scripture teaches us of the earth shaking at a theophany or at the appearance of God's glory. For example, we see this in Psalm 114. 
verses 4 through 7. Psalm 114, beginning in verse 4, we read, The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back? O mountains, that you skipped like rams, O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Beloved, beloved, the creator of all things, the one who made the hills and the waters, the rivers and the seas, the one who made them all, makes them tremble at his presence. Remember what happened when God descended on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. We read beginning in verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Notice. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Such vivid imagery of God descending upon the mountain even as he meets with his people and they stood at the foot of it, they could not only see, but they could feel the impact of his presence. It shook. It quaked greatly. Keep in mind a lot of this imagery as we consider these further verses in Psalm 18. In Nahum chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we also read this about the Lord and His anger. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Notice that combination. And will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has His way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of His feet. Again, keep that imagery in mind as we consider our passage. He rebukes the sea and and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. Bashan and Carmel were beautiful, lush, beautiful to the eyes with all the greenery. But they wither. The flower of Lebanon withers and wilts. The mountains quake before him, verse 5 says, The hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Beloved, as we see here in Nahum, as well as from David in this particular verse in Psalm 18, notice that this shaking and quaking came because God was angry. Regarding the day of the Lord... Isaiah says in Isaiah 13, 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, 
and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Don't miss this vivid description, not only in these passages, but also in Psalm 18, of the wrath of God. The wrath of God against the wicked and against his enemies. It is dreadful. This description of the results of God's anger clearly has temporal application regarding previous judgments in the days of the Lord, as well as eternal application regarding the coming and final day of the Lord. And David goes on to further describe God's anger and his appearance in this way in verse 8. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. Notice this language and imagery here, beloved. Know that nostrils and mouths are common figures of speech in Scripture for anger. And smoke and fire often describe theophany. See the devouring fire that lights the coals. We know that you need what? You need a hot, sustained fire to light and get the coals to a level for sustained cooking, don't we? But we hear and see this fire that kindles the coals. And in verse 9, He bowed the heavens also. He came down with darkness under his feet. Now, interestingly, here, see that God didn't send an angel in response to David's case. He came himself. This Hebrew phrase is often used referring to God stretching out the skies in creation, this, this bowing the heavens language. However, David's use is different. He paints the picture of God bowing or literally bending and disrupting the heavens as he comes in the storm clouds in battle. And we see this as the God of light comes with darkness under his feet. Psalm 104, the first three verses, we read this, Bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, O oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. You who cover yourself with light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters and notice who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind. If you've read much of Scripture regarding the wind, it comes and it goes from the treasuries of the Lord. You can't contain it. It is powerful. But here we see the Lord who walks on the wings of the wind. And we see all of this connecting as he talks about this flying picture 
Consider the details of the night vision Daniel had in Daniel 7 verse 13. He said, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Beloved, David expands this scene to display God coming down in the clouds, both riding and flying. Notice, riding and flying. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 18. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. Now we've just considered reference to the wings of the wind, but why does David describe God as riding on a cherub? Think about that. For that matter, some of you may even wonder what a cherub is, right? First, know that a cherub isn't one of those cute, chubby little beings and angels with bows and arrows that you often see in the media as those that ignite hearts on fire with love and just have all this cute music playing around them. I won't mention any movies, but some come to mind, right? Now, cherubs, they are angelic beings that have actually very serious roles. We first learn of them in Genesis 3.24, as God placed some at the east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. And further, if you recall in Exodus 25, God instructed Moses to have representations of two cherubim made of pure gold to be put on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it was there, above the mercy seat, and in between the cherubim, that God would speak. And in Exodus 26, the people were to make fine woven linen for the tabernacle that had cherubim in them. They also had symbolic representation in other key places of the tabernacle. And the truth in these passages teach us that they are guardians of God's holiness. They are guardians of God's holiness. And so we see this awesome picture of God riding on an angel closely associated with His majesty and glory. An angel who guards His holiness. And David then describes God's battle tactics as the heavens are bowed and the the Lord descends and he comes riding and flying. In verse 11 we read, and he made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. Now, the psalmist paints a similar picture in Psalm 97, beginning in verse 2. He says, Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice 
are the foundation of His throne. A fire goes before Him and burns up His enemies round about. And so here we see in Psalm 18, God concealed Himself in darkness. And why? So that He secretly shot at His enemies. And yet when God attacked, His brightness made the thick clouds vanish with the barrage of hail and fire that He brought forth. You know, we've seen these types of secrecy and strategic practices before, haven't we, in David's Psalms? Remember how David tried to be strategic and outwit Saul and to he went on one side of the mountain and Saul tried to counter and he moved to another side. And we see this, this dialogue, we see this back and forth in what transpired there. But although that was strategy of which Saul truly outwitted David in that case and David knew it, we see here the Lord coming in definitive and powerful judgment. We see Him coming and concealing Himself, but coming with deadly weapons that nobody could evade, that nobody could outwit Him in His use of them. And so the Lord attacked, and His brightness made those thick clouds vanish. There was no concealing at that point. Hail and fire he sent forth. And and these hailstones and fire also pointed to something else, notice. Look at verse 13. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Beloved, hear these great words. Elsewhere in Scripture, we know and we've heard of the Lord speaking from heaven, haven't we? When the Father spoke regarding His Son, who was being baptized and was baptized by John, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And that was in His loving kindness, in His authority as God but not in his anger. Here we see the very picture of the Lord thundering from heaven. And the Most High, this is intentional identification by this name. The Most High, there is no God greater. The most supreme being in all of the universe, the great, infinite, and eternal one, the Most High uttered his voice. There's no mistaking who it was. He uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Beloved, as nostrils and mouths are common figures of speech in Scripture for anger, know that thunder is a sign of God's anger against his enemies. In 1 Samuel 2, verse 10, we see this. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. None of the wicked can hide from the Lord. 
None of his enemies can evade his gaze or his judgment. All are subject to it. And we see his thunder coming as he brings judgment. David says God not only thundered, but notice he he spoke in hot, deadly words, precise commands depicted by hailstones and coals of fire. But to further describe the, the futile battle and the defeat of his foes, he goes on in verse 14 to say, He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. And the Lord in his battle, the Lord in his tactics in which he used to accomplish this purpose, he scattered them, he spread them out, he made them weak, he vanquished them all. Lightnings abounded. And this combination here, from verse 13 to verse 14, of thunder and lightning is not a mistake even as we've considered in previous passages. But in verse 15, notice what was true after this. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, My friends, when God comes down and defends his people in wrath, the chaos and evil that the waters represent pull back. Let this picture sink in. Seabeds exposed. The earth uncovered at what? At the blast of the breath of his nostrils. The nostrils that previously we have seen with smoke coming out of them. Even with such a blast, such great, uh, powerful work of the Lord in exposing that which no man could uncover. That should give us awe and pause. In Psalm 77, beginning in verse 16, We read about these waters and more trembling. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The the voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. Considering all the facts of this grand picture, beloved, praise God for his power and might. Even in his wrath and his anger, David praised him, he loved him, because of what God had done, because he knew the holiness and the wrath of God that came to defend him as his son. He knew the wrath of God that was not upon him, 
but that was upon his enemies, and that was the means of his deliverance. Praise God indeed for our deliverance from the wrath of God in Christ. And so take the weight of the the swift and thorough thorough power and, and might of the living God, especially in his wrath against his enemies as he comes to the defense of his people with you tonight. Again, let it sink in and guide your meditation and guide your praise and your prayers. Take the impact that he brings in his anger, not only on his creatures, but also on the core of creation with you. Indeed, Jesus is the valiant warrior and the sure deliverer for you. The more that you see of the depth of the sin that necessitated your deliverance, the more you will see how glorious your salvation truly is. In Christ, God really saved you from his wrath, by his grace, and for his glory. And therefore, you are no longer one that God's smoke-filled nostrils are flared against. You're not one of David's enemies or his. You're not one he thunders and spews fire against, but rather you are the one he loves, that he has welcomed into his fortress and comes to the defense of, and he will do so to the end when he puts all of his and your enemies under Christ's feet. For indeed, he has poured out this fire-filled and smoke-filled judgment and anger and wrath against his own son, that it would not be poured out on you, but that you as the object of his love would be welcomed and cherished and defended and protected. And so praise God for this picture of his wrath. Praise God for the deliverance from his wrath. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together.